I'm going to start this morning with a, a, a commercial and a commentary. I, I wasn't necessarily planning on this, but um, but I want to start with a commercial, and that's what Heather's already announced about our previous services over at uh, the Riverstone community. We're starting a new site there in January. We're doing three previous services to get ready for that. Uh, the first one is on October 17th, so a couple weeks from now. We've got a great leadership team for that site. Um, people being trained from our staff here, from our church here, to, to lead that site. Three previous services to give people an idea of what it's going to be like to start spreading the word for that site. Um, and so if you, it, it, I would love for you to be a part of those previous services. The first will be on October 17th. And I've said it before, I'm going to say it again, that uh, if you're a smiler, I, I, want you to, I want you to be there. All right? Uh, if you're not a, if you're not a natural smile, not like a freaky smile, like like a, like a nice smile, uh, that be there. If, if you're not one of those, you can be here uh, because um, I'm not afraid of you. Uh, but some of you non-smilers might frighten some people, and so we'll take the non-smilers here, the nice smilers there on October 17th at 10:30 uh, to get ready for that. Our leadership team for the Riverstone site is going to be leading next Sunday here. And so all the setup stuff, the children's ministry, I'm still preaching, but everything else, the, our leadership team for, the, uh, for the, the Riverstone site is going to be leading here. So I'm excited for them to kind of get their feet wet a little bit before we do our first preview service. Uh, and so you're going to have an opportunity to jump on board with that launch team uh, for that site. Uh, so next week, as they take lead, they're building their teams for ministry there. Uh, and I'm super excited about that. You need to be on board somehow with what we're doing to, to, to launch this new site over at, uh, at Stone Creek Elementary. That was my commercial. Here's my commentary. Um, it was just really uh, taken by this this week. There's been a lot of hype around... Uh, Gabby Petito and her um, murder and looking for the perpetrator, and I understand the hype about it. Um, but I've been really, really, really bothered as I've watched the media uh, jump on that bandwagon. I've been bothered with it not because there's great publicity, there should be, but how about all the others that are not pretty white social media darlings? We should be concerned about the injustice and the crimes done, perpetrated against Gabby, no doubt, and all the others for whom the media has not become infatuated with. Uh, and, and to my shame, as some of you probably realize, these two little boys, Orson and Orin, two little African-American boys have been missing a long time. And I've not seen one shred of media outcry or social outcry for these two little kids. And you probably haven't either. And there's something in me that says, you know, maybe it's because they're two African-American little kids and that just happens in that community. It's just ridiculous. I don't know if that's why there's no media outcry. I don't know if there's not, that's why there's no social media, you know. There's a lot of little ones and big ones that go missing all the time. Who don't necessarily fit an agenda. And we got to do better. We got to do a lot better. Do you understand? 
And I, I don't know what it means for us to do better. It's right to be concerned about the injustice that's perpetrated against a, a little media darling. I, absolutely. But it's right to be concerned about the injustice perpetrated against all. No matter the media presence, no matter the shade, no matter the community. We got to do better. I, I, again, I don't know necessarily what it means for us to do better. Sometimes I feel like a, a politician speaking before the UN. Because you say a lot of stuff that sounds good, but there's no real meat to it. Other than we just got to do better. And, 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 and maybe it, it means making sure that us in this house are doing better with each other. Are doing better with communities and doing better with people groups and cultures and doing better with races and ethnicities that are different. Maybe it means us doing better here first. But we got to do better. Do you understand? That's my commentary. Can I just tell you it's going to be a tough message this morning? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sean, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad I'm here too. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you. Mm. Can I just say this? They, they can take your leg, but they cannot take your energy. Exactly. Amen. 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 Nor your yeah. faith, and I appreciate that about exactly. you, Sean. All right. Here's why this is going to be a tough message, because I want to talk about the fear of God. This, this message took a detour midway through this week. I, I didn't think I was going to be talking about this as I was planning this series, but it took a detour this week, and I just got to go with it. I'm going to talk about the fear of God. Mm. That's not something that many people talk about. It's not something the church talks about much anymore, especially in this day and age, in this culture, in this generation. We love talking about the mercy of God. We love talking about the grace of God, and we should, and rightly so. We love talking about the love of God, absolutely. Yeah. But we haven't talked much about the fear of God, and we need to. <clears throat> the fear of God. You can see that the fear of God has been taught in homes by looking at the children in homes. Yeah. How kids treat the authority mm -hmm. of their mother and their father and how kids treat the authority in their lives yeah. is a direct reflection on if they've been taught and how they've been taught about the fear of God. Amen. When young ones kick back against authority and kick back against those who are over them, They've not learned yet to submit to God because there is no fear. The command in the Bible to honor your father and mother is not just so that the home will be a home of peace and stability of a husband and a wife with children. It also is a setup to teach the kids the fear of God. Because if a child cannot learn to fear and respect the one authority it can see, how will it ever learn to fear and respect an authority it cannot see? Amen. Amen. I see it over and over in young ones that continue to kick back against requests, demands, commands of authority. And in my mind, I think, oh, dear little one. And so I want to talk about the fear of God. In the book of Psalms have been divided, it's, it's divided into five larger sections, five larger books. And each of the five books in the book of Psalms, 150 chapters in all, mirror the five books of the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. The first of those books, Genesis, is, is seen in the themes of book one of Psalms, chapters one through, I think, 42. And David is the, the one generally thought of who has written most or all of these. And what we see in the book one of Psalms, all through the, all through the chapters, one through 42, is this theme 
of God's sovereignty, of his control, of his awesomeness, our subjection to him, the realization of our own sin, what it means to be bought back and redeemed and created. And so in that first section, Psalm 31, verse 19, I want to jump right here. And this is David saying, how abundant are the good things that you have stored up. Let me start right there. How abundant are the good things that you have stored up. That's good news right there. Like God has abundantly stored up good things. Isn't that good news? Wouldn't that be fantastic? Like if I could get some of that, I would love some of God's good stuff that he's got stored up. Right? Right? I mean, every one of us would. Yeah. Every one of us said, God, if you got good stuff stored up for people, I'm one of those who would love to get some. And let me give you some suggestions on how that might look. Right? Yeah. But let's finish this out. God indeed has good things stored up for those who what? Fear. Understand. How abundant are the good things that you have stored up for those who fear you? It doesn't say those who love you. We would expect it to say how abundant are the good things you have stored up for those who love you. Because most people, especially if you're in church, say, oh yeah, I love God. Yeah. And we like putting it at that level because after all, I can love God. That's between me and God. And you know, I just feel like in my heart, I just feel like I just love him because he's so good and kind. You understand? It's something different to talk about fearing God. Yeah. And the Bible says that God has abundantly good things stored up for those who fear him. So we've got to ask ourselves, Amen. what does it mean to fear God? I wonder how many of us walked into this place this morning knowing we're going to open up God's word and had a little bit of fear and trembling for what it might reveal about him and about us. See, we like what the Bible says in Romans 8, 28. We know that in all things God works together for those who love him. We like that part. Because I can love God. And that might look a little something for you than it does for me. And I can love God up at the mountains. I can love God on the golf course. I can love God when I'm watching Netflix. I can love God. <laughs> but the Bible also says that God has abundantly good things stored up for those not who just love him, but who fear him. And so the wise will continue to put their confidence in him. And the wise will believe that he will not allow them to be put to shame. And that the wise will believe that even when attacked, God will shelter them with his presence for those who fear him. Yes. See, the key, the key is to fear God. Mm. Praise God. Now, here's why this is important. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Yes. Yes. Now here, here's, here's, here's how, part of the way I understand that. There are so many of us who go through life wondering what is God's plan? What is God's will? I don't know what he wants. I don't know what the next steps are. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And I wonder if it's partly because so many of us have focused on loving God but not on fearing God because the fear of God is the beginning of knowledge. Now, this is too big for me to deal with in its totality, but I want to introduce the idea. There are some aspects of the fear of God that we need to do away with. I understand that. So when I talk about the fear of God, some of you might be thinking, okay, wait a minute. Like fear him like a boogeyman? Like fear him like, oh, like what? Wait. And so there's some aspects of fear we need to do away, but there's some aspects of fear we should never do away with. I want to talk about those. So there are two words used for fear in the Hebrew. Two different words. One of those is Yahweh. And what that means is this. A fear that overcomes us when we suddenly find ourselves in possession of considerably more energy than we're used to. If I had a stick of dynamite and stuck it in your hand and lit the fuse, you would suddenly become more aware of the awesome power that you have in your hand that you're not used to holding. Right? right. 
It's when you inhabit a larger space than you're used to. When you walk into something, you're like, what's this? It's that feeling we feel when we're on sacred ground. And you know, you know know that there's something that you tread lightly. It's to cause astonishment and awe and to be held in awe. That's one fear. The other in Hebrew is pakad. And this is fear of a projected or imagined thing. It's the overreaction, the irrational fear that stems from worries about what could happen. It's the worst case scenario situation. Some of you live in Picard. You understand what I'm saying? Some of you live in this. Like your world is completely consumed with the possible worst case scenario. When you don't hear from your child by the time you think you're supposed to hear from them, you start thinking, oh my goodness, what in the world just happened to them? Right? When they get a bad grade on a test, you're thinking, oh my goodness, they're going to end up on a pole somewhere. I just know. I just, I just don't know what's going to. I mean, like a barber pole. They're going to have to. I don't mean the other kind. Like, like you just go to that place where, oh my God, it's all, all hell's breaking loose right now. Well, oh no. It's, the internet just went out. You're going to be okay. It's a projective for the irrational fear. So what are we talking about? The fear of God. Back to Psalm 31. How abundant are the good things that you have stored up for those who fear you, who who yare you, who hold you in such esteem and such honor, who get a glimpse of how vast and big and powerful you are and in the presence of that cower because we realize our smallness. How blessed are those? Now, the Bible uses both these words in context of God and people's understanding of him. Genesis 30, verse 10. Adam and Eve sinned. And in response to their sin, God says, Adam, we need to talk. Now, I don't know about you. I grew up with a daddy that I had a very healthy fear of. Yes. I grew up with a daddy who would oftentimes, in response to uh, me and my brother specifically, would remind us that he brought us into this world and he could take us out. Yeah, you've been there, you understand that. My dad oftentimes would tell us, you make sure when you go to sleep, you sleep with one eye open because I never sleep. So when God says to Adam, Adam, I know what happened. We need to talk. And Adam's response was, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Yare or Pakad? It's not both. It's Yare. It's Yare. Because suddenly, I realize how big and how holy and how awesome you are. And I realize my own sinfulness. This is why he could have this type of healthy fear. Because they had just eaten, get this, from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And the Bible says that the fear of God is the beginning of knowledge. They just gained knowledge and had a healthy fear and respect for God. overwhelmed with who this God is. He wasn't just their buddy who they could have a picnic with. Now he was God. Deuteronomy 13.4 You shall walk after the Lord your God and what? Fear him. And because you fear him, Yahweh, 
you keep his commandments and obey his voice. This is how I know that young ones have a healthy respect and a reverence and honor of their parents when they fear them and keep their commands and obey their parents' voice. You understand? Positive fear, Yahweh of God. It's that thing that makes us want to be pleasing to Him. It's that thing that causes us to have a profound respect for God. To deeply regard what He approves us of and deeply regard what He disapproves of. It carries with it a very strong word of caution. Yare does not want to displease God. Yare wants to be awake to his desires. The fear of God is not an emotion. It's a grounding and continuous attitude by which we live. And that fear of God directs our speech and our behavior and our relationships and our conduct and our habits. And that fear of God begins to be part of our identity. That we're a people who fear God. In the Bible, God-fearing people, all through Old Testament and New Testament, were those who were people who were described as righteous and kind and generous and upright and blameless. And they were those things not so that they could show and prove that they fear God. Those things were simply byproducts of the fear of God that was already present in their lives. It's this type of people fear of God produces. John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Here's what I want you to understand. We should never, as a child of God, one should never cower in fear like slaves in the master's house waiting for the next punishment. Through faith, we can be children of the Father. Grafted, ingrafted, adopted as his kids and become heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. But please let me be very, very, very clear with this. Not everyone who is created by God is a child of God. Every person on the planet has been created by God. But not every person who's been created by God is a child of God. And we have to understand this. Being a creation of does not equal a child of. We become a child of, the, of God, a part of the family of God, by adoption into his house through faith in Christ. And as an adopted son and an adopted daughter, we become heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. However... Not everyone who was, a, who, was, who was created by God is a child of God. And if you're not a child of God, you should be in fear of God. Yes. Amen. As the Bible says. Do not be afraid of those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. There ain't no reason be afraid of anyone or anything that can only harm physically. The Bible says, rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Do not be afraid of that which can kill the body. There's no reason to fear man because of obedience to God. The Bible says, fear rather the one who can kill both body and soul in hell. Yes. Destroy the body in death and the soul in hell. Yes. That's who to be afraid of. Amen. Don't worry, we're going to get to the good part. All right. The issue of the fear of God is difficult to balance. And David, who wrote these psalms, struggled with the understanding of it. 
And I moved from Psalm 31 that says God has a storehouse of those who fear him, for those held up for, uh, for those who fear him. I moved from there and I, I moved to Psalm 36. Because in Psalm 36, David is wrestling with the knowledge of his own sinfulness. And he's wrestling with how he, with how he chooses to live without the fear of God. Uh, look, look what the Bible says. Transgression speaks to the wicked deep in the heart. There's no fear of God before his eyes. In other words, what he's saying is, he's saying, like my sinfulness speaks to me in here. I realize, if I'm honest with myself, that there are times I don't even live with any fear of God. Sometimes I live like he doesn't exist. Or if he does exist, I don't have to answer to him. Right? For he flatters himself with his own eyes that his iniquity can't be found out and hated. Like, like he's realizing there are times when I think, well, God hasn't busted me for it yet, so I'm going to be all right. I'm not in fearful of it because ain't nothing bad happened yet. You guys have probably never had moments like that, have you? The words of his mouth are trouble and deceit. And he ceased to act wisely and do good. He plots trouble while on his bed. Means he thinks about it day by day. He sets himself in a way that is not good. I love how David kind of wraps stuff up sometimes. This is not good. Like he gets all poetic and transgression and all this stuff. And he's all, sometimes it's just not good. He doesn't reject evil. I don't know if you're like me, but I'm like David. And there are times when I willingly know I have the opportunity for life or death, when I willingly understand that before me is a right or a left, when I can see before me is the opportunity to embrace or to reject evil. Yes. And there are times when I choose evil. Yes. As if God is not one to be feared. As if I've gotten away with it, I'll continue to get. As if God hadn't said nothing yet, so he ain't going to say nothing at all. There's nothing to fear in my evil. Now, I don't know if that's the type of pastor you want, but that's the type of pastor you got. And then David takes a breath. Oh, but your steadfast love, O oh Lord, extends to the heavens. Your faithfulness to the clouds, your righteousness is like the mountain of God. Your judgments are like the great deep man and beast. I've been both, and you've saved us both. How precious is your steadfast love, O oh God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delight. See, while I realize that God blesses those who fiare him, I'm reminded of my own sin. And I realize how bad I am. And that drives me away from God in fear of him. That's how this works. Oftentimes. I end up becoming fearful at times because I know that I have not honored God with my life as though I yareed him. And I become fearful of my own sin. And I start to realize, what is the worst case scenario if my life fell into the hands of an angry God? Think about it. And I begin to, to realize that I am so unworthy of his blessings because I have lived and still do in ways that aren't in line with the life that fears God. I mean, David says, worst case scenario, think about this, transgression speaks 
to the wicked deep in their heart. Like they know, you know. There's no fear of God before their eyes. Literally what he says, he says, I have a message that God gave me in my heart concerning this, the sinfulness of, the, of, 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 of wicked men of myself. That sometimes there's no fear of God in my eyes. You know what kind of fear he uses here? He uses Picard. Like sometimes, sometimes there's not even the fear. So sometimes there's no fear even negatively of God. For some people, there's no fear that they'll ever have to answer for the evil and sin in their life. There, there's some people who don't fear God any way at all. Who don't believe there's any worst case scenario if a life were to fall in the hands of an angry God. Either there's no God or they, they, they've fallen victim to, to really bad theology that said God loves everybody. He's not willing to let anybody go, perish. That means everybody gets to go to heaven. That's just bad theology. There are some people who have no fear of God in their eyes. They, they don't fear the possibility of his punishment. David says, this is how bad it gets sometimes for us. That some have no fear of what could happen because of our sin. No fear. David says there's some, it's gotten so bad that there's some who have no concept of answering for our sin. Of giving an account before Almighty God for our sin. The Bible's very clear. It says every one of us will give an account for our sin. And we'll either answer one of two ways. We'll either answer and try to explain it away based on who we are and what we've done, or we'll answer it based on what Jesus has done on the cross and shedding his blood for the forgiveness of our sin. We'll answer it one of two ways. But make no mistake. You will answer. And so will I. But David said there are some who, who don't even have a fear of answering to God. There ought to be some. And if you've ever realized that you haven't or aren't living in the yare of God, David has a solution. He says, when we, start, when we start feeling the weight of our own sin and the fact that what if we had to answer to God for it? And what if we fell into the hands of an angry God? That ought to be fearful. And I love the fact that David turns the corner. And he says, oh, but... Your steadfast love, O oh Lord, it extends to the heavens and your faithfulness goes all the way up to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mountain of God. Your judgments are like the great deep. Man and beast, you save, O oh Lord. How precious is your steadfast love, O oh God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. David says, when I realize my own sinfulness, when I realize what could be the worst case scenario if I had to fall into the hands of an angry God? I turn my eyes rather in from in here, I turn them to up there. And I realize who God is, and I look up to heaven, and in the realization of God's mercy and His grace, I fall down in fear of Him, in reverence and respect of His love and His mercy and His grace. And I grow in my honor of Him and my respect and reverence of him. Do you understand? You tracking with me? So, so watch how this thing progresses. First thing we do is we realize that blessings from God are for those who yare him, who fear him, who hold God in reverence and awe 
and respect. There's something about God that is much more than our friend. He is our friend. But he's much more than that. And those who fear God hold him in awe and reverence and respect. That God isn't the one that we take along with us in our journey. God is the one who goes before us. That God isn't the one that we hold in the palm of our hand and take him out when we need him. God is the one who holds us in his hand. That God isn't my friend. I am a friend of his. And I hold him in the highest regard and reverence and respect. He is not to be trifled with. And we realize that. Psalm 31, 19. He's got great blessing for those who do. But then I also admit my own sinfulness and repent. Because I realize that there have been times when I have lived without the fear of God. And it's caused me to hold sin so lightly and hold God's honor so loosely that I played games with him. I've denied him. And I've acted and lived as if there is no, I don't have to give an answer to him. And it has to be repented of. And in response, I turn my eyes toward heaven and to God's mercy and grace. And rather than falling into the hands of an angry God, I fall into the hands of a loving God. And I love him in return. And out of my respect and honor and awe for his mercy and grace, I live in a way that lives in the fear of God. Verse 5 of Psalm 36 your love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness to the skies. When it talks about the love of God, it's talking about literally his mercy. Literally means your goodness, O God. Here's the thing. Never, ever lose sight of how good God is. Never lose sight of how good God is. And he is not good to us to make us play games and to hold sin tritely and lightly. He is good to us so that we will be in awe of him that even in the midst of our badness, he still chooses to be good. I'll honor a God like that. The Bible says your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Literally, it means, God, your steadfastness goes on and on and on. That God doesn't change nor shift. What it means is this, is that God's goodness isn't altered by my badness. And because God's goodness isn't altered by my badness, I will live in fear and honor and respect of that holy God. Do you understand? And when we realize how steadfast and steady God is, and it's his goodness, and when we realize just how right and just he is, we begin to live in the fear of God. And we feast on his abundance. We feast on his abundance. That's what verse 8 says. They feast on the abundance of your house. And you give them drink from your river of delights. For those who live in the fear of God. Now I understand. We love the mercy and grace of God. And rightly we should. But it should be held in tension with the fear of God. The awe and reverence of the holiness and otherness that is him. And for those who live in that tension. Appreciating the, the, the mercy and, and, and grace of God, but living in the fear of God. He pours out a river 
Now notice what it says. They'll feast on the abundance of the house of God. To feast on the abundance. I want you to understand what he's saying here. For those who live in the fear of God, they will literally be abundantly satisfied. What it means is they'll be satiated, saturated, or literally intoxicated. Intoxicated by the goodness. Now, some of y'all know what it's like to be intoxicated. I'm going to bet that. Am I right? Couple of you, you're like, no. Well, I don't either. I've just heard. I'm going to laugh at that. Can you imagine being intoxicated with God's delights and favor? What, what, what does it mean? What happens when you're intoxicated? You're like, I don't know. I told you already. I have no idea. Bunch of posers, man. Some of y'all, you were just there last night. You know what this is like. <laughs> oh, okay, from what I've heard, I'll tell you. you. You start thinking differently, right? Start talking differently, right? You start acting differently, right? And so God says, listen, I got good stuff. For those who live in the fear of me so much that you'll be intoxicated, it'll change the way you think, it'll change the way you talk, it'll change the way you act in a good way, not in a great goose way. Y'all yeah. <laughs> need to loosen up a little bit. Uh, you know what it's like to be intoxicated. And God says, I'm going to intoxicate you with some good stuff if you live in fear of me. He says, you'll live in the abundance of God's house. Literally, you'll get fat. Now, as some of you know what it's like to be intoxicated, some of you know what it's like to... <laughs> right? This one's a little harder to hide. I understand that. Yeah, I guess. Not me. I don't know. <laughs> no, I would put an asterisk. It's a mental condition. All that. I understand that. But sometimes we get fat because we just eat too much of the good stuff. Right? Right? So understand what God's saying here. Through day, He said, "Look, I got. I want to make you intoxicated. I want to make you fat." With all my good stuff, but you gotta live in fear of me. Yes, yes. Like I understand. Mm. You wanna live in love with me and you wanna be mercy and grace, and that's all fair. You need to do that. But it starts, hey, it starts by you being in fear of me, holding me in high esteem and respect and regard, and quit playing around with my word and quit playing around with your sin. I deserve more than that, God says. Not because I want to bust your chops. Because I want to make you fat and drunk. <laughs> you understand? Yeah, I understand. And for these people, God says, I'll give them drink from the river of delights. Yes, yes. That word river, yes. it doesn't mean the little thing that we have between Madeira and Fresno here on 41 Bridge. <laughs> it means a torrent. An overwhelming gush that is overpowering. Yes. For those who live in the fear of God, they'll live in the overpowering gush and rush of the torrent of God's delights. Right. Now, sometimes he leads us by a stream. Psalm 23, he makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside the still waters. And when I'm tired, I need a still little stream. But there are some times when my need is great and I don't need to rest. I don't need a stream. I need a torrent. And I don't want to trickle when I need a flood. And the way I get a flood is to live in the fear of Almighty God. Mercy. Oh, And the torrent that God has for you is a torrent of his treasures. This is what God has promised to those who live in fear of him. Now we started this service with Sweet Caroline. Because just to remind ourselves, there's some lyrics and songs that we might know, but they're not really worth singing. Now, Sweet Caroline.
I'm not really a Neil Diamond guy. But that song is memorable. Right? You go to the Carolina Panthers, they sing it all the time because they're in Carolina. And they're just dumb enough to think, oh, Caroline, that's about Carolinas. <laughs> but, but whatever, whether it's the Panthers or Fresno State, I mean, everybody sings Sweet Caroline. We know the lyrics, but some of those lyrics aren't worth singing, but there's some psalms that are. And this one is. And these lyrics are what God has spoken over your life if you fear Him. This is not promised to those who are religious. This is not promised to those who don't mess up. This is not promised to those who cry out with all their heart to God. This is promised to no one other than those who fear God. Yes. Why? Because this right view of, uh, this right view of the fear of God requires an appreciation of grace. Because it's by God's grace that we're not destroyed because of our sin. Yes. And out of that grace, mm -hmm. I revere and honor and respect yes. this almighty God. Almighty God. See, Yahweh is to respect God too much to live contrary to his way. That's what we're talking about. I fear him too much to live contrary to his way. Here's what I know. You and I both have got multiple opportunities many times every week yes. to choose. I'm going to go right or I'm going to go left. Yeah. That's going to be my choice. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go towards life or towards death. That's going to be my choice. Yeah. I'm going to live according to his way or contrary to his way. Yes. That's going to be my choice. And all of us know what it's like to live without the Yare of God. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> and these blessings are for those who choose to live in the Yare of God. So here's my prayer. I told you I'd give you a prayer every week of what we go through. Here's my prayer. Father, you are abundantly good to those who fear you. We, all, we always start with the acknowledgement of who God is. You give goodness to those who take refuge in you. So help me to fear you and take refuge in you. I confess my sin and iniquity. I confess my desires, my thoughts, and my words are full of sin. Yes. Thank you that your love is steadfast. Thank you that your love is steady. Yes. Thank you that my sin doesn't alter your mercy and grace. So help me fear you. Mm. Saturate me mm. with the fullness of your goodness. Yes. Help me fear yes. you. Let me drink for the torrent of your treasure. Yes. This is God's promise over those who will choose to live in fear of him. Now, here's the balance. Yes. Some of you good religious people live in, 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 in terrifying fear of sin. So much so that has made you into, in, into little religious, obedient robots yeah. who become yeah. self-righteous. And there's no joy of God in you, though you are very obedient. Mm -hmm. mm. That's not what we're talking about. Yeah. But there are others who have been so mesmerized by grace, they've forgotten about the fear of God, and there's no fear in sin anymore because they've manipulated grace to say, well, God covers it anyway, so I don't have to be afraid of him anymore. That's not what we're talking about. There's got to be a balance of the realization of the deadliness of our sin. Fearful of its consequences. Yes but overwhelmed and joyful of the freedom that is in Christ yes, because yes, of Father's yes. mercy and grace. Yes, This yes. is the understanding yes. of the fear of the Lord. Yes. And with this comes wisdom. Yes. And with this comes blessing and yes. compels right living. Yes. Come on up here. Right? The, did you, yes. let, me just, let me finish with this. I've gone a long time. I don't care. You don't yeah. care. At this point, you know I'm going to go long. So yeah. if you show up, you know you're not going to get out till late anyway. So, did you know that kingdom people are supposed to take delight in fear? All right. Kingdom people are supposed to take delight in the fear of God. The fear of God is supposed to be our delight. Let me prove it to you. Nehemiah 1.11. Oh Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name. Give us success. Those who delight 
to fear your It's the same thing that the prophet Isaiah would prophesy over the coming Messiah, i.e. Jesus, in, Jer- in Isaiah 11.2. He prophesied that the Messiah would delight in the fear of God. Here's my question. Is the fear of God yes. your delight? Yes. It should be. Mm-hmm. Because when we learn to fear the Lord, yes. We learn to take delight in that fear because we understand that that fear is the portal to the torrent of God's desires. Yes. Do you understand? Yes. We fear God. And we respect Him far too much to live contrary to His way. The torrents of God's delights are waiting for people who choose to live in the fear of God. And to get fat, mm, fat off the storehouse of his treasures. Yes, yes. It is time. Yes. Hear me rightly. Don't, don't, don't post about this. Mm-hmm. But hear me rightly. <laughs> it is time yeah. for the people flip side yeah. to get intoxicated and fat. Exactly. Exactly. Do you understand? Exactly. Now don't post something different than what I mean. Yeah. It's time for us to get drunk and fat off the goodness of God because we choose to live in the fear of God. Do you understand? And so we say, Father, you are abundantly good to those who fear you. Father, you give goodness to those who take refuge in you. And so I want you to make this your prayer throughout this week. Help me to fear you. Help me to fear you and take refuge in you. I confess my sin. I confess my iniquity. I confess that my desires, my thoughts, and my words are full of sin. You are right, and I am wrong. And God, I do not want to fall into the hands of an angry God. Thank you that your love is steadfast. Thank you that your love is steady. Thank you that my sin has never once altered your mercy and grace. Help me to fear you. Help me to fear you. Help me to fear you. Saturate me with the fullness of your goodness. Help me to fear you. Help me to fear you. Help me to fear you. Let me drink from the torrent of your treasures. That is a song we're singing. Sing it over yourself every day and get fat and drunk on the goodness of God. Let's sing.